Amen. <laughs> Amen. I imagine we have some stories to tell. Amen. I imagine when you rise up there in heaven, there's going to be people looking you up and say, Can you tell us what it was like to be the overcomers of that dark, wicked age of Laodicea? What was it like? How did you get through that without getting any sin on you? Amen. That's like a mechanic changing a motor and not getting any uh, grease on his hands. And the church of the living God goes through this kind of an age and don't get sin on them. Not even one spot or wrinkle. I'll tell you what a blessing, amen, to know that God has prepared something for us, amen. It's been a really a certain privilege to be here with you in these meetings. Um, I'll tell you what a blessing, what a day, amen, to rejoice in the Lord. And um, Sister Kimberly said this morning we come in the room there she says brother Wayne you're going to preach this happy I said well I'm going to I'm going to try and she said well you should have answered me by saying if you ain't happy by now you probably ain't getting there <laughs> I said well, that's pretty good if this meeting ain't stirred you up a little bit man you you just your wood's wet <laughs> amen I'll tell you what a blessing amen what a meeting amen good place to get the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you. Amen. It's a good place to get, get, get a revival in your heart. And Amen. What a blessing. We want to thank our uh, brother Tim, amen, and his work here and you that are behind him and all of you that's come so far uh, to, uh, to make these things possible. I know some of you have invested a lot of money in that seat that you're sitting in. Amen. But, you know, God will reward you greatly. Amen, for all the, the, the sacrifices that you've made. And we want to appreciate our, our brother Tim this morning. I, I do want to say that we greatly appreciate him making this kind of meeting possible. I, I, I know that he's uh, got musicians and ministering teams. And our brother Timothy here is an associate. And uh, these men of God on the audio and the deacons and trustees and all these things are made possible but you know it's written in the scripture and brother Branham tells it he said that the Holy Ghost was bound by creeds and dogmas for 2,000 years he said but in the latter days it would be let loose now what does that really mean there was nothing wrong with the Holy Ghost but creeds and dogmas and traditions had bound it but there's going to come some people in the end time it's going to take the traditions and the creeds and the binds and they're going to throw them away and say, Holy Spirit, have your way. And God's given us some elders that believe that. And thank God for our elders who believe these kinds of things remain and belong in the church of the living God. Because the intellectuals would take these things away from you if you'd let them. But God has given us elders that says, no, these things belong in the church. This is the property of the bride of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we thank God for them today. And I want to say that it's been a great privilege to share the platform with these men that have preached this message with, without favor but with power. Amen. And I know that many of you are going to go home with stories and testimonies and all these things. And Surely it's a great honor. Amen. And uh, we have my... Father-in-law and mother-in-law, Vernon Deedy with us. They go to Brother Jason Jackson's. Good to have him here uh, up from Arkansas. And, 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 you know, it's always a blessing. Some of you, I know that you heard the curses of in-laws. Well, it's not all true. 
because I got good in-laws. So it tells you that, that, that it's possible that you can have a tremendous relationship. And, and uh, my family here with me, my wife, Carissa, uh, she's a tremendous lady, and we sure appreciate her traveling with us. And it's a lot of sacrifice, but she's done it for years. And I know there has to be a, a special crown in heaven for her. Amen for all of her sacrifices. And we want to just for a moment to bow our hearts and let's just speak to the Lord. Father, it has been such a tremendous time. Lord, a, a vibration of, of praise and honor to be your children just runs through our veins to think that we could be the children of a God like you a great God of heaven with authority and power when the enemy would do us hurt Lord you have rose up and put your hand against him and Lord we're so thankful to be able to come here and gather with children of like precious faith and Lord to cry in the altars and to share our tears and our hurts and Lord and then to rejoice together and to feel the victories of one another's overcomings and Father, what an hour that it is, even this morning, but it's only a reflection of what it will be someday. When we stack up our arms and the battles are all over and we sit down in heaven and, Lord, we'll sit there and talk it over for 10,000 years of the victories and what you've done in our midst, O oh Lord. Now, we pray this morning, Father, as we have gathered in this building, that, Lord, that you will rebuke every spirit of unbelief and fear and ungodliness that holds your children. I pray that the spirit of liberty would so strike this building, God, that there would not be one left without liberty this morning. But, Father, may every woman, man, child, may every tradition and creed be broken from their mind that they would have a liberty to rejoice and move into the glories that you have prepared for them. I ask you this morning that you would bless them, bless the audience that is visible and them that are invisible. And Father, I pray that you bless each one of them today. Father, we ask these things now in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. And may God bless you as you have your Bibles today from the book of Luke. We want to read here the book of Luke uh, from the 10th chapter. Um, certainly... I uh, want to say that uh, we want to say God bless you and uh, from Brother Ray Erickson and the church there in Bluffton. Amen. I, I'm, I'm here. I'm supposed to be giving greetings. Sometimes I forget it. I have all these uh, things, and if I talk very long, I forget so much. And, but uh, I want to definitely say God bless you from the church there. Luke chapter 10 and the 20th verse. Uh, course this is Jesus speaking um, you know I, I was saying the 20th verse let's just back up and read here from the 17th verse and the 70 returned again with joy saying Lord even the devils are subject unto us through thy name and he said unto them I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven for behold I give unto you power to tread upon the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit 
I don't know if you remember last year, Brother, Brother Ronald Bean pointed that out, uh, that Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. It's the first time I've noticed that in the Scripture, actually, all these years, because uh, I just never thought about Jesus shouting, to be honest. I, but if you want to go read the Greek, it actually means to leap with joy. Now, I know that don't go well with Baptist theology, but it's in the Bible uh, that Jesus leaped with a joy. Kind of got to be careful how you think about it now, aren't you? Jesus did that. Rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, the Lord of heaven and of earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and thou hast revealed. Isn't that amazing? Brother Bram uses this a lot in the message. Has revealed them unto babes, even so the Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. And all things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned again unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see these things that ye see. We ask the Lord to bless his word as you may be seated. I want to speak to you just for a minute uh, this morning. Rejoice. Your names are written in heaven. Rejoice. Your names are written in heaven. Isn't it amazing that the, the book is actually in heaven? The prophet uses this scripture in Luke chapter 10. The church age book has got a, got a tremendous writing on it, and you'll have to go read it because there's much more than I could cover uh, in this service this morning. But one thing that we know for sure, according to Jesus, that the names were written and the book was in heaven. Now, one thing we want to make sure of is that in this scripture, Jesus is not saying that we don't have power over the devils. Because he's actually said, I've beheld Satan fallen from heaven as lightning. So he's actually telling us that Satan has actually fell from his position as the sons start taking their positions. And he has given us power over the devils. Now, there actually is a couple commissions on the church. There's the first commission and then the last commission. Is that right? And both of them commissions had the church with power over the devil. Amen. So one thing we got to be sure of this morning, that we don't let someone take that scripture and turn it around to mean that the church wouldn't have power over the devil. Of course we have power over the devil. The very, uh, the very origin of your life, the very thing that you were created for was actually to bruise the head of the serpent. That's, that's in the scripture. For the woman's seed shall bruise the head of the serpent. And that woman's seed turned out to be Abraham's seed. And the scripture says, then you that are dead in Christ are Abraham's seed and heir according to the promises then every devil is actually subject unto the church of the living God amen and I'll tell you it's a powerful thing when you start recognizing your authority over the enemy and over the devil amen but Jesus is saying that there's a, there's a level here amen that is a little higher in understanding and he's telling you that that's where your real rejoicing are to be in because of course even the antichrist spirits was going to manifest certain portions of the the word and 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 they was actually uh, Judas was here writing the ministry at this time casting out devils amen but, but but Jesus is letting them know that there is a separation here and there are some of these names that are actually written in heaven amen that are written in a portion of this and we'll just pick the way the prophet takes it in the Lamb's book of life now there's one thing that's for sure is that everything is actually pre-planned by God 
Do you know that there was a time that you actually knew these things, but Brother Bram says you're darkened to it now. He said there's only been one man on the earth that actually knew what happened before. That's right. He said, Father, glorify me with the glory I had before you before the foundation of the world. He was the incarnate God, and he could move back there and know what it is, but our minds are blackened to that. In other words, we can't remember or we don't have any knowledge of what it was before creation or back before our birth. But Jesus did have knowledge of what it was before the world ever even began. Amen. Do you know the prophet of God said that we're actually ordained and predestinated? And predestinated means the destination of anything that was pre-saw by God. He said, now that's not skim milk. Amen. That's not skim milk. Anything that is pre-saw by God is predestinated or ordained. He says, now, if we go over in, in the book of Ephesians in the first chapter, he said, I'm afraid uh, that we're missing it. He said uh, that you, maybe you think that I'm just saying this, but I want you to listen closely, and we'll get down to the church in a few minutes. Paul is actually addressing in Ephesians 1 directly to the shoulder of the church, and that's what we're doing tonight, for this is not for babies. This is for grown-ups. This is not for babies. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 said, according as he has chosen us in him before for the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You say in love. Now, according to the Bible, it says, wherein has thou loved us? Amen. Wherein has thou loved us? But in the book of Romans, Paul answers in Romans chapter 9, for Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated and both of them was before they were ever even born. But God, by his foreknowledge, understood the natures of them two children and told us before they were born, one I love and the other I hate. Brother Branham says in the message of hearing, acting, recognizing, he actually says, says that this is a picture, amen, of the end time and of two groups in the end time of the carnal, amen, and the spiritual churches. And before they ever come into existence, God already wrote that he's going to love one and he's going to hate the other. Just like he knew he would love Jacob and hate Esau, he knew he would love the spiritual and he would hate the carnal. Amen, God could actually foreknow this and see it having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Amen. Isn't it beautiful? Having predestinated us unto a place of adoption. Amen. Go back to Ephesians 1 and 4. According as he has chosen us in him. He. Now according as he. Who is that he? That's God. Chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having done this before the foundation. Amen. I think that's a key point this morning. Having done this before. Amen. Before the earth was created. Having done this before the angels are created. He done this before anything was ever created. So before the devil was in existence, God already had someone chose, amen, that would be greater than the devil before the devil ever got there. To think before the devil, before the earth, before sin, before time, before there was anything, God already chose this before it could ever happen. You say, well, Brother Wayne, you don't know what's happening, but I know before that happened that God already 
already made a choice. You said, well, this happened and that happened in this situation. But I know before that situation and before that and before the author of that, before the devil, before there was a star, before there was an earth, before there was an angel, before there was anything, God, amen, chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That means to tell me that there ain't no devil, there ain't no power, there ain't no circumstance, there ain't no situation. There is nothing that can undo in time what God did in eternity. God has already had it sold up before you ever got here. God already decided that you were going to be in victory this morning and there ain't no devil can do anything about it because before before now that's a powerful thing to me amen before amen I'll tell you this amen before amen you, you see amen that this actually brings something beautiful amen according to the Lamb's book of life brother Bram says this he said a believer he said have you got your joy shoes on these are my joy shoes have you, have you got your joy shoes on Sister Joy, you got your shoes on? You got your joy shoes on? (laughs) Amen. You know what I think? I've been watching some people with their joy shoes. I've been seeing some people this weekend with their joy shoes. I I saw people cutting up and running and dancing and shouting and rejoicing. Amen. They're wearing their joy shoes. Listen, if you're a Christian, you are truly a God's child, then the Bible said, now that's not a preacher. The Bible said, it said your names were actually written in the Lamb's Book of Life from before the foundation of the world. The same time that Christ, that God sent Christ to be slain, he wrote your name with his there you are. Your name is actually written. All he deceived, all great and small, church members, pretended Christians, he deceived the whole whose names were not written. He said, now not in the church book, in the Lamb's book of life. Before the foundation of the world, God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. By the spoken word. Now imagine this, have you got your joy shoes on? Because Brother Bam's going to tell you something, amen, that is actually, amen, been given to the church for a sake of rejoicing. He's saying that if you want to, if you really want to rejoice, now here is a place you can rejoice, amen, that God put your name on the Lamb's book of life from before the foundation of the world, and he did it by the spoken word. I always wondered how did he write our name on a book up there before there was books, before there was anything. How did he do it up there? But the prophet of God told us how it happened. He said he wrote it by the spoken word. Amen. Can you imagine that God actually spoke your name before the foundations of the world that God spoke your name before there was anything God knew there was going to be a believer in this day God knew there would be an overcomer in this day and he actually spoke your name to think that that name was actually spoken before the world ever began then God before Adam and Eve was in the garden of Eden he spoke that name then when Eve was actually fallen in the garden of Eden as the first Eve, God already knew that he had a second Eve who was going to not fall but she was going to stand now the prophet of God said do you see that first Eve fell she fell because she fell from the word, he said but do you see the second Eve she cannot fall because this one will be the word 
Do you see we're not falling from the word because we're actually the word that was spoken before the world's ever even began. Do you see that word? Amen. That it cannot return unto the Lord void for whatever God has spoken it shall accomplish that what it is set out to do. When God speaks a word it will be fulfilled as God has already spoken it. Then you're a part of the word. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read the scripture in Revelation 13 and Revelation 17, and I read about the beast, and, and I read how he'll deceive the whole world and how that he'll, he'll cause all these troubles. And the scripture said that everything upon the earth shall worship the image of the beast except those whose names are not written. I think, I think it's amazing that in the middle of Revelation 13 and the middle of Revelation 17, when God is describing the revelation of the beast and his deception, that it just in case there's a believer reading that scripture, See, what happens when you start reading about all that deception, you start reading about all of that, the devil starts putting it in the mind of the people. Well, maybe that you're going to get that. Maybe you're going to be caught in that. How do you know? But right in the middle of that, there's a little space in there that says, except those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So just in case a part of that bride is reading about all of that deception, God let John put a little something in there and said, but don't forget now. I want you to remember I have not forgotten that I have spoken a name and they will not be deceived in the hour of deception, but they're going to stand. Amen. According to the Bible, that false Christ shall arise. And boy, we've seen that, haven't we? False Christ shall arise. Amen. False prophets shall show great signs and so much if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. Brother Bram said that word elect comes from election. They meant then there would be a deception if there wasn't an election. But because there has been an election, God has elected, amen, then God will not allow Satan to touch that life with deception. Do you know there's a people on this earth right now who cannot be deceived? I know, I know sometimes fear wants to grip your mind and the Satan says, well, this is going to happen and this is going to happen, but you've got to recognize, amen, that God has already spoke something concerning a bride in the last days that in the time of deception she can not be deceived because she's been elected to not be deceived but to stand against the deception. My, to think that he spoke your name. Brother Bram said, see, he spoke your name. Amen. Now, in perfection, Brother Bram said, not only Christ was slain to take away sin, but your name was written in the Lamb's book of life from before the foundation of the world. That God wrote your name associated with his before the foundation of the world. Now, Satan, make them get scared now. Get them to doubt that. Isn't that something? Make them scared now. So a prophet is teaching us something that will take all of the fear out of the church. He's teaching us something that will take all the fear out of your life. Do you see, if you put things based on your abilities, based on what you can think and what you can do and what you can say, then Satan will always keep you under the fear that maybe you didn't do enough. Maybe you didn't say enough. Maybe you wasn't just able to do that. Amen. But when you move it off of you and you put it on to God, then God has given us more than enough to conquer every devil, every power. The blood was more than enough to take every sin and his word is more than enough to defeat every devil. Is that right? The word of God will defeat Satan 
anywhere, any place, any time, in any form. So you can only see when you start recognizing that you are the word of God, then the bride of Christ will defeat Satan anywhere, any place, anytime, under any condition, because she's already been written in heaven as the victorious church. Now Satan make them get scared. Make them doubt that. For the, before the world ever began, God called your name. You were Christians and wrote in the Lamb's Book of Life before the world ever started. That's God's word. He spoke it back there and revealed it through his servants. Now, what is you say? Well, Brother Wayne, what's actually going on now? Brother Bram says it like this then. Your name was put in the Lamb's Book of Life. God spoke the word. It was in his thinking. And in his thought... He spoke the word and everything happened at that time. This is just God's seed materializing. Amen. This is his seed materializing. His word is coming down. The light of God is flashing across quickly and the seed recognizes it because it's born of God. It's Abraham's seed. It's foreknown by God. That's why the light flashes. It's to catch the seed. Do you see that he actually now is materializing something that he saw before the world's ever began? Amen. To think of this, that God ordained you and called you before the foundation of the world. See, but it never happened until 4,000 years later. That's right. You see then, this is where Job, here's the question in Job 38. Amen. He's asked a question by God. Job, where were you before the foundations of the world? Amen. I love it, don't you? Amen. And when the sons of God shouted for joy. Amen. I don't think there's a mistake in the scripture. I don't think it said sons on accident. I don't think that it meant to say servants and accidentally said sons. But it said, where were you when the sons of God were shouting for joy? I tell you this, not just a servant anymore, but there's somebody coming to sonship. And God already saw it before the world ever began. The prophet of God said, what was they shouting about? He said they were shouting because they realized the lamb had been being slain for them and they were coming to perfection back there in the mind of God. Do you see? Amen. You already shouted in the mind of God. That's why we're shouting here because we're shouting there. We're only doing now what God saw back there. It's just materializing in the mind of God. Amen. He saw it break out. He saw the revelation strike your life and there you shouted. Amen. It asked Job, where were you? before the foundation of the world. Well, I tell you something tonight, this morning I believe we have Job's answer. I believe we have Job's answer. We were there. We were in the mind of God. Amen. Until the seventh angel come, we did not have that answer. But tonight, by this morning, by the grace of God, we're able to know the answer that was hid from Job, was hid from the prophets, but has been revealed to you that before there was anything, God already had a church and was going to come into this age and he was going to take over because there names were written on the Lamb's book of life. Oh, glory to God. You said, well, what are you so excited about? I'll tell you sometimes, amen, I think about the grace of God and, and what he does to get us where we are. Amen, what a, 
What a powerful thing. You know, I was just watching Brother Ronald Spitzer preach last night. I knew where I was going this morning. And I kept thinking, Lord, how's that going to tie together? How are you going to put that together? And right on the end of the service, you remember, he starts preaching about restoration. Take it back. And and what did he do? He said, y'all make yourselves a list. Put all your stuff on the list. Make that list and, and you put it down. And what you, you know what you put on that list? Things that was important to you. Amen. People that are important to you. Amen. You made a list, right? Watch him how he went back there. Amen. And got Abigail and brought her back down. Amen. I guarantee you Abigail's on Brother Josh's list. Amen. Amen. And when he brought Sister Abigail up here, amen, what'd she do? She started shouting. She started rejoicing. Why? Because she was on the list. Amen. She was being restored back. Amen. She wasn't shouting because she was emotional. She was shouting because she was coming back. She didn't become a daughter of Josh Bennett last night she was a daughter sitting back there but but something called her a servant went and got her she was already a daughter but there she took her victorious rejoicing as a daughter of God let me tell you something amen she was on his list but there was a better list God made a list of things he was going to get back Amen. And my name was on his list. And he sent somebody to get me. I didn't become a son the day I come to this message. I was a son before the world ever began. But this message called me to sonship. And brother, since I came into this world, I began to rejoice and shout and praise God because I got a liberty, a liberty to know my name was actually there. And you know what I possess today? I possess a victory that the devil can never take away from me. He can never repossess that. Oh, I'll tell you. Amen. We were talking in the back room how Josh was feeling. Brother Brother Ron said, Brother Josh, he said, I, I bet you were feeling a bit like David when Abigail was returned. Hey, Josh says, you betcha. And I was thinking, but amen. Or maybe Tim, Brother Tim said, I don't remember. But Brother and Sister Abigail might have been thinking the same thing. Can you imagine Abigail in the camp of that bunch of Malachites down there? Not this one, that one in the Bible. Amen. That Amalekites had took that child, that girl from her husband, and had her down there in that place. Don't you know when David's army started rising over that hill that she looked over at that Amalekite and said, you're in trouble, buddy. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Not because that he's got power over you, but my name's on his list. My name is on David's list. The son of David put my name on his list and he's coming from the heavens of heavens and devils are trembling and powers are breaking because my God is a God of fierce wrath against the enemy that holds his children. Yes, sir, God made a list and he put you on that list before you ever left heaven. He already had you on that list. And this message is coming into the earth to call them. Oh, sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. Is that right? 
There's a lady sitting in one of Brother Bram's meetings. There's a woman sitting there with a little sick baby. And she's standing there, and Brother Bram said, A woman sitting on the, amen, and she saw the prayer card, saw the baby, saw the sickness. And something come in her heart, I need to go pray for that child. I need to give that woman my seat. And all of a sudden, something else said to her, yeah, but she's got a prayer card, and Brother Bam's going to pray for her, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And while she was sitting there thinking that out, after a while, it kept coming. So she just got up and went over there and said to the lady, I got a burden I can't get away from. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for the baby? And the woman said, sure, go ahead. She prayed for the baby, prayed for the woman. She said, here, sit in my seat. And she left and went up in the balcony. Amen. So she didn't even have the seat she was supposed to have according to when she come in the house. But she went up and sat in the balcony. And when the prayer line come, the little woman come in the prayer line with the baby. And the prophet under inspiration looked at the baby and said, listen, amen, there's nothing wrong with the baby. The baby was sick when she come in. But that woman sitting up in the balcony right there had a leadership to pray for the child and she's already healed. Is that right, Sister Shanika? Amen. It, it was it Friday night when God laid it on your heart? Come and pray for the girl at the altar. And you said, oh, no, let this one pray. Let this one pray. And some said, but I give you your children. Amen. You go pray for somebody else's children. And she come out of the, out of the seat back there and come and laid her hands. And we saw the power of God. Listen, church, we are not just a bunch of preachers in the pulpit with an anointing. But there's an anointing on every son and daughter of God. There's an anointing there because you're on the list of God we are not deceived by this intellectual spirit that says you got to shut up and sit down and take whatever the devil has but I'm on the list of God of redeemed or overcomers of this loud and age you said, brother, I thought we wasn't supposed to shout because we got power. No, we're shouting because our name is on the list. But everybody on that list has got a power over the devil. Every devil is subject. Every power is subject. Amen. But it's not just that he's subject. I'm on the list. He can't get away from you. Oh. It's that preacher. Hey man, are you sure about this? There's only one that had pre-creation knowledge. And that was the one that met Abraham. Told him what his name was, told him what his promises was, and his name was Melchizedek. He knew his name, didn't he? Abraham. Melchizedek knew his name. Do you all know the Bible said in Matthew, the first chapter, that Jesus was both the son of David and the son of Abraham? And it was the only two men in the Bible that spoke of Melchizedek was both Abraham and David. And he was attributed to be the son of both of them. That's why, amen, that Brother Bram said Melchizedek became Jesus Christ, who is the son of David, who is the son of Abraham. Amen, he is Melchizedek. Amen, he is the word. He is the all-knowing God. And Jesus stood in John 17 and said, I had a knowledge before the world ever began. And he actually included his disciples in his pre-creation knowledge and let them know that God gave me you before the world ever began. And was so powerful that he challenged the devil and said that the devil, Peter, wants to sift you as saying, but don't you worry, I've already prayed for you. Amen. I that's a powerful point in my heart that God's already prayed. 
The devil desired to deceive you, but don't worry. I already prayed for you. Now, Lord, when did you pray for me? Before the foundation of the world. He spoke your name in victory. Now, the prophet of God said, see, this is where the book of life comes into view, is Jesus Melchizedek. Because that same Jesus Christ, amen, returns in the form of the Holy Ghost in the last days and actually visits this generation in a name calling of the bride of Jesus Christ who has their names on that Lamb's book of life. See, Jesus had that pre-creation knowledge. Do y'all recognize that William Branham didn't even have, what, a seventh grade education? And he's telling you what happened before the world ever began. He's telling you about your names and how they was written. He was saying, amen, a man without a seventh grade education said, come and go with me and let's stand on the banisters of time right into eternity and said, see what it was? There was nothing. There wasn't even a God. He said he was Elohim, self-existent one. He said that because there was nothing to rejoice or nothing to worship, he said he wasn't even God at that time. He said it was a, a great, all of a sudden, he said a great fountain of a rainbow began to spew up out of eternity. He said then that rainbow was formed to a theophany. And out of that theophany, he began to create. And he said there was the earth and the sun and the moons. Do you see what he's doing? He's taking you back and telling you before the earth, before the sun, before all these things, there you were all the way back there in that great rainbow back there God favored you back there that's why he favors you up here do you imagine that great pre-creation knowledge coming to us <laughs> amen and the theologian saying it's one way and the doctor saying it's another way and here's a little prophet saying this is the way it happened your schools tried to teach you that you come from an ape or you're from some big bang or you come from some situation. And, and I'm always wondering how they know so much. Because none of them was there. Just to be honest, none of them was there. Just like a guy told me here a while back, he said, Brother Wayne, Brother Branham missed it on that, that boy being raised from the dead over in Finland. He told me how Brother Branham didn't have all that right and all that. Man was maybe in his mid-50s, I don't know. After he told me about that a while, I looked right at him. I said, well, hey, man, uh, well, how did it go then? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, of course you must have been there and have all these ideas of what happened. He said, well, you know I wasn't there. I said, well, then how in the tarnation do you know what happened? I'm a hillbilly. If you wasn't there, you probably don't know what happened. But why don't you hear the guy that was there? Amen. William Branham wasn't there, but Jesus Christ was there. In fact, Jesus is a spirit that took over a man's body and pronounced in this age that there was a bride back there before the world ever began. And he's coming to this age. Amen. You, you see what Brother Ram did? He said, well, that, that caribou's horns will be 42 inches. He said, well, he said, uh, there'll be a, a grizzly bear. There'll be a boy in a green checkered shirt. He said, oh, another place. He said, we'll cross a couple streams. Want to be muddy? Want to be clear? We'll catch fish the first two days. Won't catch no more. Then we'll catch this in a bit. Now you say, why would he do that? Why would he do that? To let you know that he knew what he was talking about. He was telling them things that happened before because he was showing them that the same God that's telling you about these fish and these caribou and these bear is the same God that's telling me what was going on up by before the foundations of the world, that there actually was a people there. Now, do you see God actually ordains some unto eternal life. 
Amen. The Bible says that he actually prayed. He actually prayed for Peter that he would not, amen, be sifted as sand. Of course, we know, amen, that Peter did fail greatly. Amen. But the failure of Peter's life did not become the identification of Peter's life. After Peter failed the Lord three times, he actually became the spokesman of the day of Pentecost and is reported to opening the door in Acts the second chapter to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The man that had that much failure became a man who was key in the scripture that carried the keys of the kingdom of God, binding and loosing. Amen. That was a reason why, because God knew the devil was going to throw everything he had at Peter. He knew because of Peter's position in the church, everything the devil had, he was going to throw at Peter. Amen. But God also knew that before Peter failed, before Peter had problems, he knew that God already ordained him before the world to begin to stand where he was going to stand. Admit there wasn't enough devils. You think about this. Amen. Sometimes you look around, you see the devil throws everything he's got. I know this for sure. Brother Tim, the devil throw everything he's got at the church. He's threw everything he's got at you. Threw everything he's got at you. He's threw everything he got. Amen. How many of you ever been through anything? The devil throws everything he's got at you, don't he? Amen. But it wasn't enough, see. Whatever the devil threw at you wasn't enough. And if it was everything that he had, then it tells me the devil just don't have enough. The devil didn't have enough to keep Peter from being the spokesman on the day of Pentecost. Amen. That makes me believe that the devil don't have enough to keep this bride from standing in her position in the last days. There ain't enough devils in hell to keep this bride out of her adoption. There ain't enough powers in the hell to keep this church from fulfilling what God has gave her to do in this last days. No, sir, not enough. Tell somebody there ain't enough. No, sir, you know what? Before the world began, where were you the sons of God that were shouting for joy? That doesn't say servants. That doesn't say angels. Because you know what? We've had a prophet among us who said you were never an angel. You were never an angel, and you will never be an angel. That you always were a son, and that's why you are a son. Then you've got to quit thinking that adoption means you're an angel. Amen, that you're an angel, an angel, an angel. You see how the devil is trying to twist up the idea of the church of the living God to put this way out in the future somewhere. But this is not a future event. This is a part of the bride of Christ in the last days. My, often say it like this, devil got everybody in his place. Nobody's arguing that, are they? Sodom's in their place. Homosexuals are in their place. Denomination is in their place. And the devil's got power to put all of them in their place. Then you're telling me God don't have the power to put this bride in the place she belongs in? No, what I'm telling you is a bunch of people got a hold of this message and twisted it up to put adoption somewhere out in the future when God give it with the Holy Ghost to bring the church in authority. Come on, church, to take us back to the mind of God before the world began. I'm not trying to get into doctrine. I'm trying to get into a place to say the devil has tried to put this away from you and God has brought it to you to say there ain't enough devils to keep the church.
No, sir, not enough. I'll tell you this. The scripture said, for we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them that are called. Now it says they called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, they also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. For moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's right. Amen. Then for the children not yet being born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand not of works, but of him that called. Before I formed thee in the belly. Jeremiah said, even before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee to be a prophet of the nations. Before he was ever even born. Can you imagine that everything God does is pre-planned? I think it's amazing when you start talking about the pre-plans of God because I'm, I'm a forgetful fella. I used to not be so much, but it's getting worse all the time. I forget things. There's probably people mad at me right now, but I don't remember why. <laughs> it's the truth. I've had people, if anybody's watching here and you're upset at me, forgive me, okay? I forgot. I, you know, sometimes, you, you see, God actually pre-plans my knowledge. Now, his knowledge is an infinite knowledge. Our knowledge is a finite knowledge. Okay, it's a finite knowledge. But even in finite knowledge, there is pre-planning. You think about the knowledge of a man who wants to build a house. He builds it for a certain size. He, now we got planning commissions, and they think about the things we don't think about. You know, the road and the sewer, and the, they, they think of, it's a pre-planning. It's a it's an infinite mind, amen. In God, but in man, it's a finite mind. But look at how far they're moving towards planning, knowing that it makes a difference to plan before something happens. See, before the rain comes, let's get the right culvert. Before the problem, let's get the right amount of sewage. Before. Get, get everything planned out good because it's a pre-plan of God. Now, now I just took a little, a little um, maybe a little example today to prove that there is pre-planning. Now, to be honest with you, I pre-planned the meeting in the back room. I was sitting there thinking about this, and I thought, I thought, isn't it amazing that man can do this? If man can do it, why can't God do it? You think about uh, brother, brother Luke Pruitt. Where are you at, Brother Luke? He just walked out of the room. He's just up top. Can you come here a minute? Brother Luke. I don't know. Brother Tim, could you have somebody? Maybe you could just come right with him. Brother Luke, do you, do you see there's, a, there's, a, there's actually a way to pre-plan something in a finite mind. But there's like, I just called Luke Pruitt by name. I just called Tim Winters by name. But the only reason I could do that is because I knew them before this. See, if I didn't know them before the sermon, I could never say to them, Luke Pruitt or Tim Pruitt or Tim Winters. I, I couldn't call their name because I would have no knowledge of them. Now, another thing I had to know is if I called them, they'd actually come. Because there's some of you who'd sit there and go, 
Now, the other thing is, I knew they'd had to come. And another thing I knew is that I knew they'd had to know I wasn't bringing them up here to embarrass them. So they got your name on it? They got your name on it? Amen. God bless you. You see, they would have to know the reason I brought them there was for a purpose other than to embarrass them or to hurt them. But they were answering a call because I asked them by name and they knew my nature and my calling. He's not going to shoot us. He's not going to hurt us. He's not going to embarrass us. He must have something in mind that's going to be a blessing to our lives or he never would call us. But because of their knowledge of me and my knowledge of them, they came answer the call and now they're an example to the rest of the congregation of my knowledge of them. There's nobody in this building guessing, do I know them? Of course I know them. You saw me call them by name. Amen. And God has called you and made you an example of his foreknowledge of before the world began that he put you on your, God bless you, that he put you on the list, amen, and that he in this age would call your name because he's proving by that calling that he actually knew you beforehand. Is that right? Hey man, there's one more I want to call here. Hey, Sister Barbara Stanky, can you come? Hey man, I'll tell you what, this lady right here puts in enough prayer. Hey man, she prays for me all the time. You know, you can feel people's prayers. Do y'all know that? Hey man, and this lady, God bless her, Sister Barbara. Hey man, how many love Sister Barbara? God bless you. See, this couldn't happen if we didn't know one another. Hey man, you didn't know I was going to do this, did you? Amen. But you know now, because I brought you in when I called you. Amen. Now she's an example that I didn't only just call one. I didn't just call two. But I could call three, male or female, and make an example of something I wanted to you all to see. God bless you, sis. Amen. There's a scripture in there for you. Do you see God actually plans things and writes them out? And then at a certain time, he will actually show a favor to a certain name by the calling of that name. Now, God in this age has actually favored the church of the living God, amen, to call you by name and to bring you in a pre-planned plan of God. And in this plan, you're not destroyed. In this plan, you are not embarrassed. In this plan, you are not Amen. You're not defeated. You're not lukewarm. Amen. But Jesus said you should be rejoicing in the plan of God. When you heard your name, you would rejoice knowing that God called you by name. I'll tell you something today. I believe this is the hour of the favor of God upon the church. And I believe this is when you can rejoice. I believe this is the time. I believe this is the hour where God has let the church feel what it is to be called. Therefore, we are pre-planned of God. It's all pre-planned. The gene of God. Do you see? There's only one form of eternal life, and that's God's life. Only one form, and that's God. And that was there to be a son of God. You had to always be in him. A gene of his life. You say, well, Brother Wayne, I don't remember it. Does that matter? Does that mean you're not there if you don't remember it? You got to be careful because, amen, I don't remember my mama. Amen, what day I was born and the hour of the day. And I don't remember what the weather was like. I don't even remember getting my first diaper changed or my bottles. I don't remember any of that, but my mama does. My mama can tell you the whole story because she was actually there. 
Amen. And when I began to get a little older, she began to tell me stories about things that happened to me when I was a child. And she began to bring me in her understanding of what I was when I don't even remember. And God, before you remember, before you knew anything about it, you were already in him. But this word is actually bringing out the manifestation of what you were in God before the world began. Come on, you saw, Brother Wayne, did you exist before you were born? Sure, I existed before I was born. Amen. You say, how did you exist? As my father. Amen. Come on. <laughs> there wasn't a little boy running around with my dad. I was in him. I was in my father until I was expressed in this age. And I was in God until I was expressed in this age. But this expression has come. Come on, amen. If you take a grain of corn and you bring forth a seed from that, what is it? If you bring a cat and it has a cat, it has a baby, what is it? If you have a dog and it has a baby, what is it? If God has a child, then what is that child? That child is a child of the most high God. Then the very attributes and the very potential of the mighty God is in the church right now. Supreme power, supreme authority. There ain't no devil, ain't no power. There ain't nothing that can withhold that child. You see, my name was on the Lamb's book of life. I was a part of him before. Before. You say, are you sure? Brother Branham said, amen, that when you heard this message, when you heard this message, you recognized it as eagle food. He said, see, you heard from your theophany. Before you were ever left the eagle's nest, that little baby eagle, amen, was up there with mama, was brought down to the chicken yard. But one day the eagle came out, amen, of the nest with an expression and began to scream like an eagle. Give me just a little bit on the mark. Scream like an eagle. You see, when that eagle began to scream, it didn't sound like no chicken. Come on, church. You'll never get a bride called to this hour preaching no denominational message. You'll never do it hide the truth from them. If there's an eagle in them, they was eagle to begin with, and they're sitting there wondering right now, why am I different than this bunch of chickens I've been with? Amen. There's something there that is hungry and thirsting for the word of God to light up that gene of life that's in their age. Let the Holy Ghost begin to fall. If there is a seed of life down on the inside of you, you won't ball up like an old chicken. You'll begin to rise like an eagle. There's an authority that begins to come into you. Oh, I'll tell you, when that eagle begins to scream, brother, can you imagine when they spread its great wings and begin to fly over that? Y'all forgive me, but I believe the sun must have been rising. The sun must have been coming up. Amen. And that eagle began to fly over. Amen. It's the land of the rising of the sun. In that land of the rising of the sun, there was a couple chickens. Amen. A couple eagles over there in a bunch of chickens. Amen. And the eagle come by. And the eagle come by. And begin to fly over Japan. Can you hear it? Can you hear it, Japan? The eagle is calling you. Your theophany is calling you. 
glory to God. That's right. The sun is up. The sun of righteousness has arisen. The eagle has flew out. Brother, you wasn't a son the day you heard that eagle. You wasn't a son. These preachers come over there and started preaching. They didn't make you a son. You was already an eagle. You was already a son. This message only told you, you don't have to live in that chicken barn. You don't have to live under traditions and ideas of man. Spread your wings, eagle. You can fly. You can fly higher than any other bird. Well, I feel that wind, Ken. I feel that wind coming again. On the day of Pentecost, there was a mighty rushing wind that blew where they were sitting, and there was 120 eagles. There was 120 eagles, but when the Holy Ghost fell, it didn't make them sons. They were already sons, but they become anointed sons of God. When they come out of the upper room, the revelation had struck them. The revelation had come to them and they actually were staggering under the influence of the revelation that they had pre-creation knowledge, that they come from God. Somebody said, were y'all drunk with the wine? No, not like you think. No, not like you think. You bunch of preachers act like a drunk people, but not like you think, you see. We're not drinking uh, Jack Daniels and brandy and all these things, you see. The wine that we're drinking comes from the grapes of Canaan. They come from the land of promise. And a prophet went over and brought a revelation back. And then it's been squeezed down into a ministry that is preaching a divine revelation of the power of God. And when you start drinking the bottle, amen, it'll bring something in you. I was telling the church the other day, I said, you get a bunch of drunks together and the decibels of the, of the, of the room changes. They're sitting right, right next to one another and they start hollering. They're hollering back and forth. Amen, because they're losing their ability of senses. Their senses start losing. Listen, when you get drunk enough, amen, you will lose that ability to say, oh, that's just too much. That's just too much life. That's too much this and that's too much that. Oh, I'll tell you what we need. We need to pass the bottle of the stimulation of revelation that every child and daughter of God gets so drunk on the presence of. Take a drink. You are already sons. Take a drink. Your name was written on the Lamb's book of life. Take a drink. Ain't no devil. Ain't no power. There ain't no authority. There ain't nothing. I got on my joy shoes. I got on my jaw shoes. Hallelujah. You see these kind of shoes? These are, these are gravity-less shoes. I can walk in the outer space in these shoes. Come on, the astronaut power is lifting the church above the gravity of Laodicea and the age of the time and the people. She's being blasted out by the power of the Holy Ghost, by the fire of God. That's what's wrong in this end time. That's what's wrong with all these dead churches. They took the fire of God off of the altar and they're trying to get the people under a dead idea of man. But you let the fire of God come in the church. Light the church on fire and watch it burn. The Holy Ghost begins to move. Think about a fire, brothers, it catches. 
thing about a fire is it catches. You ever seen a fire catch, Brother Timothy? Amen. You let a fire start burning and let a wind start blowing at the same time. I feel the fires of the amber of the Holy Ghost burning in the church. I hear a wind coming. Christ ain't putting this fire out. He's a fan in the flames. He's a fan in the flames. Come on, church. This fire will not destroy you. It'll destroy the works of the enemy. Every dead thing, every unbelief will come off of you under the fire of God. It's God's way of cleansing. It's God's way of sanctifying. It's God's way of saving. God answers by fire. Where were you before the foundations of the world? Here comes his answer. The fire of God came upon them and made an answer that could not be refuted when the fire of God begins to burn. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that many men are inviting people to altars and they're saying we don't believe in altars. You know why they don't? Because they got no fire on their altar and their altars are useless and they're ineffective. Amen, they don't preach enough of the gospel to even call somebody to an altar and if they happen to get somebody hungry enough that wants to come, there's nothing there to satisfy. So why have an altar? Why have a service like that? But if you've got some preachers that are fireborn son of God, amen, that believes in the Holy Ghost, They'll preach the power of Pentecost until hearts will burn and say, I want some of that. I want some of that. Had a little boy come to prayer line one day. Brother Leon from over North Carolina, his sister's here. The little boy coming to prayer line. Brother Brad, you were there. We was down in Tennessee. He comes, he said, Brother Wayne, he said, I want some of that my daddy's got. I said, now that's a Christian. If your kids want what you got, that's a Christian atmosphere. That's a Holy Ghost fire. I know the world has produced such a religion. Kids don't want that. But you let a mom and daddy get on fire with the Holy Ghost and them children desire, amen, they desire that kind of life. They desire that kind of Holy Ghost. Oh, remember where thou hast come from. Remember when you were instead and sins and trespasses and all you have was a form of religion that God came in by the Holy Ghost and filled you and sanctified you. Then why wouldn't you want others to give the same thing that God gave you? You know the thing I was able to tell that little boy? Amen. I was able to tell that boy, it's lucky for you that Apostle Peter said, this promise is unto you and as many as the Lord our God shall call. And we watch the Holy Ghost come down in that meeting and feel a little boy. You don't have to be an old man to get the Holy Ghost. You don't. You don't have to be a, an old woman to get the Holy Ghost. God will give a Holy Ghost to a child. Listen, I don't know if I believe that. Read your Bible one time. John was in his mother's womb when God filled him with the Holy Ghost under the name of Jesus Christ, under the Old Testament covenant. But we're under a New Testament covenant where God has given the Holy Ghost and fire upon the church. Fan the flame, brother. I've seen that. I seen it, Brother Bram said in the rising sun, he said, you know, he said the thing about it is there's mechanics and dynamics. And he explains it a couple ways, the eagle and the chickens. 
Then he goes to the car, remember? He said, have a perfect car full of gasoline. He said, perfect, everything's in its order. He said, but without a fire. He said, that car will set still. There's no moving in it. You ain't going nowhere. It's still, it's sitting there. He said, now, if it's that way, you would be better off with water as gasoline. That's right. But watch, when the fire comes, it's what proves if it's gasoline. You put the fire on it and see if it burns. Amen. You take a bunch of this intellectual teaching we're getting now in the churches. Amen. And you can put the fire, the Holy Ghost, and it'll just fizzle out. It'll fizzle out to nothing. They'll sit on it and throw against it and resent their spirits and sit down and lock up on you. Amen. But if it's a teaching of this message with power and you begin to preach the fire of God, it's like a bonfire. You pour a bunch of gas on and all of a sudden lights up and it begins to burn. Amen. And then Timothy gets up behind the preacher with a gas can. Oh, we might as well kick that old devil while we're here. He's working for God's filling station. And they're not serving water down there. They're passing out gas cans. And he stands up here and douses that fire because he knows. He knows if the fire of God starts burning that lives are going to change, hearts are going to change. We can't change it, but God can change it. Get the Holy Ghost in the church and let the fire of God burn out every devil, burn out every trouble, burn out every fear until there's such a fire begins to rise up in you that you can feel the glories of the embers of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know what happens under that? All of a sudden when that fire starts burning like that, amen, things start dying. Amen. Unbelief starts dying. Spirits start dying. Things start losing their power over you. You begin to feel the unction of the Holy Ghost. That eagle anointing starts rising up in you. You begin to say, I can. I can believe for this. I can trust this. I can do this. I can do all things. Right? You know, you know, this is the age right now when a prophet actually said God opened that book and started calling the names off of that Lamb's Book of Life. Do y'all know what that really means to us? That means there's millions of names probably on that book. Would you agree? There's probably millions of names. And all the way from Adam, all the way up till our day, those names are in that book. But this is the first people who knew their name was in that book. Nobody else ever saw their name in that book. But in the last days, God would bring a message that would put your name. He would preach your name to you in the message of the hour. And it would call you. It would call you to redemption. You see what he was doing? He was calling you back to what he saw you as before. You wasn't always a slave in Egypt. You wasn't always a slave down there. Before you were there, you were Abraham's son. But as long as you're in Israel, Egypt, you're nothing different than Israel or Egypt. Amen. But the minute that message came and called them out and started taking them over, it took them over, but they hit that Red Sea. Brother hit that Red Sea last night. And they come and hit that Red Sea, right? But God did not let the Red Sea stop them. Right? But by the power of the spoken word, he opened up the Red Sea 
and they walked across dry trod. Is that right? Now, I want you to look at the power of that believing church. Do you know how much power you have? You actually control the seas. Your type is the moon, right? The moon, the tide starts coming in on the earth. Brother Bram said the moon turns and faces the tide, and it has to slip away. The tide has to reverse its order when the bride looks at it. The moon, Brother Bram said, see, as long as the bride's on the earth, he said, see, the tribulation can't take place. Because the enemy's trying to come in like a flood, but there's a bride standing there saying, not yet, devil. I got family, not yet, devil. I got children, not yet, devil. You see it? You watch it. The tide will start coming in, and it looks like our young people's going to be swallowed. It looks like the revival's going to be over. But all of a sudden, an elder somewhere begins to pray, and they say, God, you promised us our children. You promised us a revival for our children. And they turn and look at that devil and say, get back, devil. Get back where you belong. That's not the anointing of God. Get back in your banks. I think it's time for you to turn the tide on the devil. I think it's time for you to turn the tide in your home. It's time for you to say, devil, that's as far as you're going in the house of God. You are not servants. You're sons and daughters of God. Israel has sons. Israel has daughters. Get back where you're going. What's the type in the scripture? Miriam and, and all of the Israelites, two million of them crossed that Red Sea. Do you know that tide could not come in on them? As long as Israel was in that trench, the water couldn't move on her. It had to stand up and, and actually defy gravity holding this place. But the minute that Israel got out of that trench, the minute that bride got out of that, what's what happened? All of a sudden the waters started flowing in and the whole thing was destroyed. One of these days this bride's going to leave this earth and the waters of judgment's going to spread across it. You think about this in a type. The prophet of God said it like this. He said when Mary and them got across they looked back in that Red Sea and actually saw their enemies in the water. Brother Bram said which was a type of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful thing. Got any tambourines in here this morning? Amen. Now, now, I want you to think of this right here because I was studying this the other day and I realized that there was actually about two million people crossed that Red Sea. Two million of them. Do you know what actually happened when they got across that? Amen, you can use it. You know what actually happened when they got across it? When they got across that sea... They turned around and looked. And when they looked, they saw their enemy was dead. Now, now, yeah, we might have, we might have 200 sisters in here maybe. Out of 600 people, maybe a third, 200. I don't know, but maybe 60 sisters. Amen. Can I hear a rejoice from you sisters?
He said, that's loud, Brother Wayne. Well, according to the demographics of, of you just studied just, just, the idea of two million people. They, they proposed there was at least 600,000 women in Israel. You just heard 200. What did it sound like on the banks of that Red Sea when, when 600,000 women begin to rejoice? They begin to praise God. Well, miles away, brother. Miles away, they can see the dust storm rising off of that sanctuary. They can hear the roar of the Holy Ghost power as it moved down the banks of that. Well, the leader of the bunch, Moses, he stood up and said, are y'all quieting that down? Well, I got a different Bible. My Bible said Moses stood up and began to sing in the spirit. Do y'all know in the Bible, in the book of Revelations, it says that in the day, amen, in the great overcoming in heaven, they will actually sing the same song in heaven that they sang on the banks of the river down there when, in the Red Sea. Moses wrote a song on the Red Sea that's going to be sung up in heaven one of these days. Another little thing about that, it's the first song that's wrote in the Bible. Before David, Moses wrote this song of the overcoming and historians to believe it's the first song actually ever written. Then I can say it was contemporary. Sorry, it's in the Bible. And they sung a new song. You know why they had to write that song? Because nobody ever saw a bunch of Pharaoh's Egypt down in the middle bottom of a sea. Nobody ever saw an entire army swallowed by a sea. Nobody can write about that. Nobody had ever seen that. But when they saw it with their own eyes, when they seen the glory of God, when they saw the deliverer, when they saw the power, they sung about it. They danced about it. They rejoiced about it. And let me tell you this, brother. John said when that book was opened up, he said, I sung a new song. Nobody ever saw that book open. Nobody ever knew whose names was on it. But there's a bride in the last days that had caught that revelation. Songs are coming out of her. Worship is coming out of her. I'll tell you what a prophet of God said. He said, it's actually time to worship. He said, do you see when that book is open, it is the time to worship. This is the time when the elders worship. This is the time when the redeemed worship. This is a time when everybody worships. Not just the preachers, not just the deacons, not just the trustees, but this is when the young people, the elders, the mothers, the wives, the husbands, it's when everybody it's when everybody begins to say, worthy is the Lamb. 
just say, Brother Wayne, I think all this stuff y'all's talking about is a little out of order. Well, let me read the prophet. I've seen jumping spells and joy spells, but there wasn't nobody hurt. Mountains rung out and the sun went down and everything still took place. Nobody was hurt. I've seen meetings where the power of God was revealed to the people that they were free from the world and the things of the world and the joy of the Lord filled the congregation. They stood and screamed and cried and shouted to the top of their voice for the glory of God. I never did see anything disorderly. I seen them shout, I seen them scream, I seen them run, I seen them dance, but I ain't seen nothing disorderly. I've seen the house of God afire with Holy Ghost worship this weekend. But we ain't seen nothing out of order. This is the hour for it. This is the time to worship. The books are open. How can she hold her peace? God called her name. He spoke my name. Before the world, before heaven, I heard my name. It was called. I never seen anything disorderly. It's right in order. Because that they recognized that their name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life from before the foundation of the world. It's not out of order. It's in order. <laughs> because they saw that their names was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now don't you leave this meeting or them critics that's out there on the airwaves. Don't y'all watch this and say, well, that's just a bunch of emotion, a bunch of work up, and they're just trying to work all them people up and all that. I want to tell everybody listening, everybody watching, amen, that what this is is in order. Because when God revealed the names of this church, Jesus said in the Bible, that is the time to rejoice. You and your name is called, that's a rejoicing. Little bride, this message called your name. It's time to rejoice in Louisiana, in Ohio. It's time to rejoice in California. It's time to rejoice in New York. It's time to rejoice in South Carolina. It's time to rejoice in Texas. It's time to rejoice in India. It's time to rejoice in Africa. It's time to rejoice in Japan. Let all the earth, let everything that hath breath. Praise the Lord. somebody's going to think about them. Well, I tell you this. I quit worrying what the world thought and started thinking about what God thought. 
and God said you're the virtuous sinless bride of Jesus Christ and brother when I heard him say you never done it in the first place something rose up in me and I began to say glory to God I'm free I'm free from my past I'm free from the debts I'm free from the unbelief I'm free from every part of the world glory to God a fanatic that's not a fanatic that's not a fanatic that's the last lap around the wall of Jericho that's the last lap around the wall of Jericho
This is the time for the phenomenon, for the miraculous. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just praise Him. Just lift your voice right now and just talk to your God. Put back together. Hallelujah. 